Welcome to Luxuries for Your Soul with your hosts, Alexis Kletchian and Lauren Gold. Today we are discussing Stutz, a new Netflix documentary directed by actor Jonah Hill. The film shows conversations between Jonah and his psychiatrist, Phil Stutz, as they discuss the doctor's life and unique form of therapy. If you plan on watching it, you may want to pause this episode and return to it later. If you've seen it, stay with us. In every episode, we look at life through the lens of luxury. Whether it's the dismantling of belief systems, pursuing our passions, or standing in our truth, we approach each conversation with genuine curiosity about what it means to have a life well-lived. As seekers, we get curious and we jump down the rabbit hole of creativity and inspiration by discussing art, books, and film bringing you the stories that have captured our attention. But before we begin today's conversation, we feel it's important to share a statement. Mental health, just like physical health, needs to be maintained and support should be available to everyone, no matter their economic or social status. If you can take one thing away from today's episode, it's this. There are tools and resources available. Every day is a new day to begin again. And remember, you are important. You are loved and you are worth it. You matter. If you need assistance locating long-term mental health resources, talking through a problem, or exploring mental health treatment options, call 211 to speak with a live person who can help. If you or a loved one is contemplating suicide, call 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicidal crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, 7 days a week within the United States. What was the draw for you to say, let's watch this, let's talk about this? Well, I saw a headline, Jonah Hill tackles mental health or, you know, something like that. This documentary is going to change people's lives, blah, blah, blah. It was, yes, it was something very, yes, exactly. Making these big promises. Uh huh. So that was really the only reason that I sent it to you. And I said, we should, we should watch this and see, because this is a big claim that this headline is making about this documentary. I was just very curious what exactly mm. this was going to show about therapy. Right. So that's why I thought we should watch it. Okay. So how do you want to tackle this? Should we just read our notes and then talk about our notes? Wait, you have to, what is your experience with therapy? You don't have to get into all the details, oh. but. Okay. So I'm very familiar with therapy in the sense of like did family therapy when I was young. I was mainly observant of it or I was left out in the hallway and it was for another family member, but I, I would observe it and I would just think like, really not getting anywhere here, Hmm. but it's adolescence, right? And there's hormones and 
you're at this point of your life where you don't know who you are. You're trying to figure out who you are. You don't know what's true, what's not true. And then you're dealing with parents who haven't dealt with their own stuff. If your parents haven't done the work and your parents don't have the will to help you become who you're supposed to be, how is it ever going to be successful? So I was an outsider to this process. And now that I have children that are of age that mental health, I mean, mental health is always a priority at, at any age, but the thing that I found that really works is knowing myself and my limitations as a human, as a parent, and remembering the experiences that I had. When you went to family therapy and you said that you were an outsider sort of looking in, can you describe Mm -hmm. that a little bit? I mean, was it all of you in a room together with one doctor and the doctor would ask you all questions and you would all respond or were you kind of not really a willing participant so you didn't say much? Therapy wasn't for me. It was for a family member. So I was sometimes invited in and sometimes not invited in. Both of my parents weren't present. It was because both of my parents were never present. Mm. This is a much larger, (laughs) complicated conversation, but I think that my mother was trying some things, but she needed to try some things for herself first. Starts with you especially as a parent. Jonah talks about that. And then his mother talks about that also is the self-acceptance piece and her self-esteem. And she didn't want to impart those things onto him. And so she's careful, but he of course is having his own take on it because he's having his own experience with it, his experience within his family, within himself, within his peer group, and then with the world. As a whole, the concept that Mm. Jonah Hill decides, I want to make a documentary about my therapist who has helped me so much. I truly believe in his tools and his practices and they've helped me and I want to share this. Do you feel like he did a good job with that? But do you think about that? Just that particular aspect of this? You want me to go right there right away? Well, I want to talk about it as a whole first and then dive into lots of specifics because I have lots of questions for you. Okay. All right. Well, I do want to answer your question, but I have a lot of, okay, so I will just, I don't want to seem like I'm negative. I'm trying to be very mindful of how I, how I say this, Lauren. (laughs) I don't think you should be. I can tell you right now that I, I'm pretty sure that you and I are going to have pretty different opinions about it, but then also a lot of similar. So just go for it. Okay. I will just give you one thing that I wrote. It's part of like my thought process that doesn't give away too much. I'll reverse engineer from there. I wrote Hollywood yet manufacturing another intimate moment for consumption. Okay. So then that's actually great. So, but then what do you think about the part where he peels back everything? He gets real with the audience. He takes off his wig. He shows the green screen. He does all of that. I got like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes into this and I texted you something like, I'm having a visceral reaction to this because my body was literally telling me this was inauthentic, that something was wrong here. And then he reveals it. And I was so disappointed because here I am thinking that we're going to be watching this very honest, very real moment between a therapist and his patient. And it's not. The fact that he has this charade and he's filming for two 
years. He is living in deception with a therapist for two years. He says he's making this film because he loves him and he's honoring him. I think he's doing such a disservice to this man's legacy. I disagree. I think I was very surprised and impressed with the honesty. I can understand the logistics that he showed everybody and pulled back. You don't think that's a, uh aha, I gotcha. It's like, oh, this is, this is the twist. This is the crux of the emotion. I can't go on with this. I can't be this person. This isn't really being vulnerable. Yeah. It's like, is this a prank? Yeah. I didn't take it that way. I understand what Mm. you're saying, but I think I just, I have a more giving him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, you believe him. I, I believe that he, that this therapist has really worked and helped him. And I believe that. Oh, I'm not talking about the therapist yet. Right. But I believe that Jonah wanted to. Okay. So the logistics of making a documentary about somebody, how is that actually going to happen in a day? How are you actually going to have film everything you need to in one day, one session? That's not going to happen. That's not feasible. That's not, it's just not possible. But for two years? Well, most of this documentary, he's wearing the wig, which means it's filmed, is under the guise of representing this in a different way. So most right. of what you're watching is somewhat inauthentic as far as where Jonah Hill is coming from, because he's still wearing this wig. Sitting there in deception with another outcome in his head. Is this going to be the greatest documentary ever made? Or is it not it's like a documentary about ego, right? But I, I guess, but I also, okay, well, would you have liked it more if it was shown that it was over a lot of days and he didn't wear the wig? Would that made you like it more? Well, here's the other thing that bothers me. Through the two years, this man's health is declining and Jonah Hill's watching that. What do you want him to do though? He can't help the fact that this man has Parkinson's, but I don't like the way that he's being portrayed. Holistically, I like the fact that this man wants to be able to give you, for you to walk out of a session feeling like you have a game plan or you have something in your back pocket that you can use. I understand the rules. I understand all of that. I do like that he wants to get to know you, that he wants you to actually be able to He doesn't want to just sit there and ask you to talk and ask questions. So to start that way, that made me less weary of these tools. I was a little eh about some of them. The shadow concept, I like that. I get that. I understand that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Part X, the maze, there were a lot of things that concepts that he talked about that I'm not judging didn't have a visceral negative reaction to any of them, but I just didn't really find them applicable to me. Mm. But I liked the concepts as a whole. And I believe that he comes at this from a very thoughtful place. Mm. Well, one of the things that I wish that the documentary highlighted is the breadth of this man's work. It doesn't. It talks about Jonah's experience with him and the tools in a very surface way, but then highlights this man's declining health. That's the way that I view this. So 
So I went to the man's website and I researched his breadth of work, The Tools. And he's written a book, The Tools. He's co-authored it and also another one, Coming Alive. He spent time as a prison psychiatrist on Rikers Island. Maybe that's where his tactics for very simple theory, uh, simple explanations, somewhat crass. Let's get right down to it. Let's swear that like tough guy and breaks through the Hollywood facade because I'm not trying to kiss your ass. You're no one special. I'm just going to tell you the way it is. He is the guy for the Hollywood elite. Right. That's not discussed, but Jonah Hill wants to bring him to the light. But why does that really matter? Obviously, this was not going to be a documentary about his entire life. If you think about it from a filmmaking point of view, those people have a short attention span. You do not. That's you true. Look at, look at you. <laughs> you watch this and then you dove deeper and you got information and all yeah. that. So you're not the average consumer, which is one of the things I like so much about you. If you think about it from the point of view that he's maybe he's trying to keep this at like 90 minutes, which I also did appreciate. One of the most thoughtful moments for me was when they brought up that woman that the doctor has had a relationship with on and off for 40 years. He clearly, by the face that he's making, his body language, everything, I won't tell you what's going on there, but is in love with this woman or has always been in love with this woman. There's something. Then towards the end when he's like, well, are you going to reach back out to her? Is this going to change anything? I feel like seeing those types of moments to me was very interesting. And I also thought it was very nice to see a doctor and a patient have like a, you know, a friendship, like a jovial friendship. And you're not a, as you've said, I'm not insulting you, but you're not a funny person. Well, I relate it very much to the fact that they're talking about how they use humor and making jokes to avoid emotions, to avoid having these conversations, because I do just that. What he was showing was just more relatable for me than for you. But I love the fact that you're you're immediately like, this is bullshit. I can see in your, I mean, I can tell it, I can hear. I mean, and and it is on some level, but he gets to be the hero in the end. No, I I don't. I did not think that at all. I don't like the way that it was presented. If it wasn't presented with that, I would be having a very different experience with this. But it doesn't matter because it's about the tools, right? In a sense, it doesn't matter what people think about the film. It matters what that we finish it. And it really matters that people have the tools in their hands. So let's just talk about the tools. Well, side note, though, I think it's interesting that when I was finished, I didn't really have a firm understanding of these tools. It was almost like the documentary's point wasn't even just to share the tools. I don't know how to explain it. When I finished, I listened to a podcast interview with Gwyneth Paltrow and the doctor, and she did a phenomenal job. Okay. And she forced him to sort of talk about some of these tools. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, less than an hour. And I had a better understanding of the tools than in this documentary. So I will, I will agree with you there. It was not about the man's life because they're not show, telling all this stuff. Yes, because it's Hollywood and all of that. But no, because it's about someone else's ego. That's why. Jonas? Jonas. Jonas. Have him laying down, taking medicine, catching his breath, taking a break, doing push-ups. And they're filming this. But that's his life now. The people that he's helped. 
Sure, sure. But I'm sure this man has many success stories. So let's talk about, he's coined all of these things for the tools, right? So the lost process, the tool that he has is essentially the art of surrendering the grateful flow. It's a gratitude practice done through stream of consciousness for this, grateful for this, grateful for this. Like in hypnosis, you make the unfamiliar familiar and you change your thought patterns. Carl Jung came up with the shadow. So many people have taken the shadow and talked about it in a different way. Like the X factor, that could be your ego. Your ego has shadow. And he says there's an unlimited potential inside every person. And when we transform ourselves, not only do we fulfill our own potential, but we lift up humanity. Well, yeah, because that's when we heal ourselves. We literally change our DNA and eventually our family patterning. When you make those changes in yourself, you make those changes in your children. When your children are raised in a more thoughtful, mindful, whole way, when they go on to have children, we are creating a better humanity, a better future, one person at a time. You know, it really doesn't even matter because however something is presented to you, if you hear it and you resonate with it and it changes something for you, then that's all that matters. But I just didn't like the way it was presented. But you seem irritated. I am you seem so irritated. irritated. <laughs> So you're irritated because he's getting credit for creating tools that already existed? No, 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 no. I just, I just of how it's been presented, you know, like specifically though in the documentary and specifically in the documentary. Yeah. So there were a few things in the documentary that not having anything to do with the tools or actually the Hollywood, anything like that. But there are two things that's that I found interesting and I ended up thinking about for a while afterwards. Mm. One was Mm -hmm. when he was sharing how his mother, because of how she had been treated by his grandfather, she had a very strong dislike for men and how that impacted him. I found that to be very Mm -hmm. interesting and kept thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. also found what Jonas' mother said, and I wrote this down. She said, I find myself holding back from being exactly myself because I don't want him, as in Jonah, to think a certain way about me. Well, that Mm -hmm. really resonated with me because I sometimes think my mom feels that way. So again, Mm -hmm. maybe I pulled different things, but I, I just found myself not paying any attention to the tools and being much more interested and engaged with the stories. Are you a person that likes tools? I wouldn't say I don't like tools. And I wasn't, I was surprised that I wasn't having a visceral reaction or giggling to myself when, you know, he tells Jonah to close his eyes and think about things he's grateful for or what he was saying about, I forget how he worded it, but the whole concept of love. And I was, I'm surprised that I wasn't rolling my eyes at that. But um, a lot of the t- a lot of the tools You're just funny. to me seem like common sense, right? But I also thought that it was interesting that Jonah, for example, and granted he's making the documentary, he's been going to therapy for four years, but he has this very his five. shadow, yeah, five. Mm-hmm. Sorry, his shadow is this <laughs> very specific point in his life. It's it's the way that he looked physically. It's the way he felt emotionally. It's this very specific 
I thought that was very interesting because when I was thinking about it, I don't have something like that, which I guess I feel lucky I don't. But I mean, well, you can't say that you don't have something like that if you've never looked for it. We all have a moment in time where we have formed some kind of belief about ourselves. And for Jonah, he shares. That's when it's cemented for him in his mind, his 14 year old brain. So as an adult, he really needs to go back and heal that need and heal the 14-year-old self. If the documentary was different and it was him, was Jonah, sharing more things like that, part with his mom almost didn't really make sense with the rest of the documentary because if it's not about him, do you know what I mean? But what if it was more about Jonah sharing? I think that maybe is what the problem with it was. He wasn't diving in to the doctor's history, like you were just saying, or his background or anything. So you didn't feel like you were getting a a better understanding. And then Jonah wasn't, he was trying at least to not, or kept saying he was trying not to make this about him and share things. So when it's over, you got a little bit of both, but it should have just been one. It should have been Jonah specifically sharing things and talking about how this doctor helped him, what worked sharing behind the scenes of therapy sessions, or it should have been an actual documentary about the doctor. Well, Jonah said it and I wrote it down and he said that he just was trying to land a big idea. Yeah. So I will probably be one of the very few people that did not like it, but at the end of the day, there's information out there for people to get help and to learn some tools that they have never been introduced to before. And that's really all that matters. Other thing, as an advocate for mental health, what's the point here? He didn't really share enough about the tools for that to be helpful. And if he's trying to be a spokesperson for a younger generation or for anyone to feel more comfortable with therapy or to be an advocate for mental health, he didn't really do that either because he didn't share anything. That's the issue, right? If you spend years with a focus or no focus, and then one day you're like, I can't keep up this facade anymore. And then you decide to be real, but you already have years of this work. They can throw that away. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to throw it in the film. And literally the therapist says to him, my life doesn't depend on this. Maybe yours does. And you know why? Because he has a whole life's work behind him that was never even talked about. I caught that moment and I was like, yeah, what, what is this man's life about? I'm interested in this man. I'm not interested in Jonah. Jonah's not going to share a story. That's his right. This is what he wanted to create. He did that, whatever. I am more interested in this man. I feel like the doctor showed so much humanity and friendship and he seemed very... I mean, I just thought he was adorable (laughs) and yeah, he's adorable. I would have thought it would be if you said, get out of my office, (laughs) get out of my fake office. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like this is the headline of the article that I sent to you. And it says in Jonah Hill's Stutz, filmmaking is a metaphor for exploring one's mental health. That is what captivated me. It was, and it says Stutz has a transparent emphasis on mental wellness and Hill highlights it through his directorial craft. And then it goes on and on. Mm. I don't 
really feel like that is true. Mm -mm. I feel like I started this conversation being more positive or, (laughs) and as we've talked about it, I don't necessarily think that Jonah Hill is a dick for doing this the way that I feel like you do. But I do love this conversation because I'm not sure what he was really trying to do. And I don't like the fact that this man has a whole life's work that they scratch the surface of and a documentary of him. I just, I just think it does a disservice to him, to his co-author. It's not nice for his legacy. Love that he says to Jonah, you're underestimating me because he still is a professional in the end. Yes. I didn't learn anything from watching it, but it stirred something in me. But I'm a person that likes tools. And when I saw the tools presented, I recognized them. But nothing is new. Everything is reiterated and everybody has their own slant. And as someone who's fascinated with human behavior, I just didn't get what I thought I was going to get out of it. Were you familiar with him before this documentary? Were you familiar with him? You heard his name or know anything about him? No. Which was exciting. A few minutes ago when you were talking about the tool, when we first started talking about the tools, Mm. I thought maybe you, I don't want to say thought he was a fraud or thought, but didn't enjoy his tools because you, he was stealing other concepts, which as you just said, you know, nothing's new. No, I, I don't think of it in that way. And if it came across that way, that certainly wasn't my attention. It was just more of a frustration that like, this isn't groundbreaking stuff. Let's look at it from this point of view. So let's say, let's look at like people from age 20 to 30, for example, that are prime Netflix binge watchers and you're scrolling, Mm. looking for something to watch and you see that Jonah Hill has a documentary and you watch it because you're a fan and you're interested. You have no knowledge. You haven't gone to therapy before. Obviously you've heard the word, you know, mental health, all that jazz. If you think about Mm -hmm. it from that point of view, do you think that they shared enough or made it captivating enough that it might make it so that it was somewhat relatable or understandable for someone in their 20s or 30s, maybe make them think about some of these tools or concepts? Do you think in that way, if you just look at it strictly as that, do you think that could be helpful? I think when Jonas says that the people that I looked up to are not absolved of the problems that I have, if anybody heard that line as a young person, maybe they could say, yeah, everyone has problems. Everybody has something that they have to overcome. If they grasp that takeaway, sure. But I don't, I don't think that there's enough there, but I'm not, I can't be in the head of that person because I'm not that person. And even in my twenties, thirties, I was I already had all of these tools. I did. I had to because I had to learn how to survive. So I could never be that person and I can't give you that answer. Right. So answer your own question. What do you think? Well, it goes back to what I said. I think it would have been if part of his, which I do think part of his thought process of creating this besides the fact that he does seem to truly love Dr. Stutz. I think it would have been more interesting and compelling and helpful to share more of his personal experience with therapy, with mental health, with all of that in an honest way, Mm -hmm. as opposed to sort of 
tiptoeing the line of between sharing information about the doctor in his past and sharing snippets of his past. It was so I would have preferred for him to dive in, for him to talk about how his brother died out of the blue and how it affected him and what work they did, what tools they used. A different shadow at that point. When his mom came in, I thought that was interesting. I thought, yeah, I just think it, it needed to decide one way or another. But I would have preferred, especially if it was to put mental health out there, if it was to advocate for it, if it was to show that it helps, if he was saying, this is my personal experience, I truly believe me, you know, you can't afford this doctor. Obviously normal people can't afford Dr. Stutz. I think he's the most, one of the most expensive in the country, if not the world, but, you know, and sharing, sharing more of that and then sharing the, the tools. And, and I'm going to send you this link to this conversation with Gwyneth Paltrow, but Dr. Stutz, that's part of why he wanted to do the documentary and put the tools out there is because he knows people can't, not all people can afford therapy. It's not cheap. And he even jokes and is like, I'm not cheap. <laughs> right. But you know what? You could buy his book. You yeah. could go to his website. You could think about what his tools mean to you. You could have these conversations with your friends. To wrap up this Stutz chat, are you mm. interested now in diving deeper into him? No, because I've already, I did it. And I was like, oh, I understand so, what this is. This you, is, but I call you something enough. else. Okay. But you, you clearly don't think that he has anything to offer you. You're not going to read his book. Like you wanted more information because you just Henry and needed to understand what the hell was happening <laughs> and who this person was and why he was yeah. on it. But you didn't read anything about him or see anything that made you think, huh? I want to learn more about these tools. I want to read his book. No, it made me curious about Parkinson's. That's interesting. Because he's been functioning with Parkinson's for so long. And I believe at the time of this documentary, he's 75. And he talks about how it's hard for him to get out of bed. And I am more concerned about him as a human and in his health. I hope he's doing well. I wonder if there are any if this is the first documentary that has ever been created about him, just Google Stutz documentary and read the, this is what I find very interesting and read the headlines of the press that it, you know, about this. And I, that I find fascinating. For example, I'm going to read you a few Esquire magazine or Esquire.com. Anyone with a brain should see Stutz right now. This is from another website. Jonah Hill's Stutz turns filmmaking into a metaphor for mental health. Jonah Hill anxiety issues documentary Wait, Stutz. Is that sarcastic? A metaphor for mental health? Was that sarcasm? I, know. I don't think so. But I mean, these are, again, these are just headlines. And I just feel like a lot of these people weren't really watching it or something. Well, it depends how you're watching it, right? There are some kernels in there that I really enjoyed and resonated with me. And I, I just don't. I just think giving him credit for any type of mental health, anything, I don't, I don't see how that's the case. You have had a lot of loss in your life. I have had a lot of loss in my life. I think that when people share their loss, that's important. The thing that Stutz said that I liked was people were just going on like it didn't happen. They're dying. Avoiding it. Yeah. yeah. They were avoiding it. 
and and it changed the trajectory of his childhood. It changed who his parents were, and and therefore it changed us. But really, sometimes it gives you a gift because if that event didn't happen, and I'm going to quote Stutz when he says, every event has something that you can learn from because all events have value. So the death of his brother changed, or maybe not changed, provided a path for Stutz to become who he is, to be sitting across from Jonah Hill making this mediocre documentary. But what about all of the hundreds, maybe even thousands of lives he made better? I want to hear those stories of the lives that were turned around because of this man. His very simple advice or his, you know, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. I'm going to really make you look at yourself or, or call bullshit. I'm going to be what every other therapist isn't. And I'm going to promise you, I'm going to give you a guarantee, which therapists don't do psychotherapist, regular therapist, hypnotherapist, any therapist. There are no guarantees in life, but I'm going to give you a guarantee. His guarantee is, is I'm going to make you feel something one way or another. I want to hear those stories. And I hope we get to hear those stories because those are the stories that matter because those are the stories that are real. Yeah. So hopefully Stitz pumps out a book about those stories. And that I would read. Just in general, it would be helpful for people just to share their experiences with mental health, with therapy in general. It's private, isn't it? (laughs) Sure. And that's totally up to you. But I mean, to the individual, Mm -hmm. of course. But yeah, my gosh, we went on and on and all around and up and down on that topic. How do you feel? I love having these types of conversations. It's it's interesting. And it's also really interesting because as I said, we pulled away completely different thoughts and viewpoints on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you could meet Stutz, what would you ask him? So initially, which is really funny, this circles back. My initial thought when you said that was, I would like to hear more about his relationship with his parents having to you know, after they passed away, there is, I don't care who you are, there has to have been moments of maybe not anger towards them, but had to have been such a wave of emotions in the teen years, in the early 20s. At some point, when you become an adult and you realize this is how you were told your, your brother died, this is just all of that, all of these things that mm-hmm. have shaped you know, just how he reconciled with that. There had Mm -hmm. to have been moments of, and I don't know his romantic history. I don't know if he's ever been married or anything, but just what I've pulled away from the documentary, his mom clearly had a impact and influence and shaped his ability to trust women specifically. It sounds like, I mean, he didn't really say this, but I'm sure based on what he did say that if his mother was had such a strong distaste for men based on her experience influenced his self-esteem. I think he does mention that. So how, how do you forgive somebody? How do you reconcile with that? What work did he do in that relationship? 
That's the first thing that came to mind when you said that. Let's your go back career, to your childhood. Your whole career. <laughs> you know, he says he knew he was going to be, or when he first got interested in psychology, I mean, it was when his brother died and he sort of became this person for his parents. I mean, it's a big role to play. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I took yeah. that. I don't want to just sit here and ask you how you feel and listen to you talk. I want to engage with you. I want to have conversations. I want to get to know you. I think that's the whole other concept that I found fascinating is it truly does seem like he and Joan are friends. He likes him. They have banter. Mm -hmm. He's making a joke about sleeping mm -hmm. with his mom last night. Like they have a really close rapport. I think that's, I mean, that that's a whole nother thing that I find very interesting. How do you does he have that with every patient? How do you rate that? I also think it's probably yeah. really refreshing. And I would imagine he does this. If you're a movie star coming to him for therapy and you're depressed and all that, but at the end of the day, everything's really great. And you have, you've been a very lucky human that hasn't experienced a lot of trauma, this and that. And I feel like he can very quickly say, pull your shit together. Mm. You know, here he is. His brother dies at six. He is this, I'm sure it was sort of a trauma or maybe he was. Did he die at three? Maybe he was six he when his brother died. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember what age he was, but I believe he said he was in his twenties when he, he was sharing that story that he was supposed to go out with friends on Friday and he took a nap and he didn't wake up until Monday. And that's, you know, he was in his twenties living in Manhattan and went to the doctor, went to see a neurologist. And that's when the Parkinson's symptoms began, but there was something else that he was diagnosed with at mm -hmm. that time. I mean, that's, and then I kept thinking about his mom, this poor, I mean, can you imagine you have two children, one passes away from this right. crazy cancer. And then the other one at a young age, you know, gets this disease that there's no cure for. That's awful. I think in essence, the success of the film will come to people care about this man. They care about the psychiatrist and he's got some tools, right? So go try his tools. Go try his tools. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We want to know, did you watch Stutz? What did you think of this Netflix documentary? We would love to read your thoughts. Email us at info at luxuriesforyoursoul.com.